0: Hello Cinefans, I'm Kendall Kruver and this is Watching Classic Movies. My guest, Rachel Boyce, is an expert on 1960s and 18th century fashion and the films that feature these styles. She shares that knowledge on her fascinating Instagram account, where I learn new things all the time. Rachel also collects vintage fashion. We talked about her most fascinating acquisition, a dress owned by Sharon Tate. In addition to the care and ethics around vintage fashion, Finding your true self through personal style, and how the 60s and 18th century are more closely linked in fashion and politics than you might think.
1: Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I've long been a fan of your Instagram account because you're so knowledgeable about 60s and 18th century fashion and the films around it. And I've been trying to think of a way to get into that topic with you because there's so much to discuss. I decided the thing I was most curious about was your interest in Sharon Tate and the way that you've expressed your fandom for her in, in different ways. So the, the first thing I guess I wanna know is what draws you to Sharon Tate? What do you like about her?
2: Well, I think, well, first of all, the thing I was struck by when I first saw I thing, everyone is struck by she was so beautiful um, but she seemed more natural and more genuine, even in her movies than a whole lot of other actresses from the period. She has this very natural vibe, but not in that hippie sort of way. She just seemed very real, but she was so unusual in that way. Um, and that's what that's what struck me.
1: I feel like it came more from it, it seems like the hippie stuff because that was supposed to be coming from a natural. Sort of feeling, but she literally was just a natural person. Totally agree. Right,
2: mm-hmm. there's a kind of laid back vibe without trying to. Yeah. She just stood out among other actresses in films like Valley of the Dolls, for example. She was she was just as glamorous as the rest of them were, but carried it in a very different way.
1: Yeah, and I think that gave her a certain depth to. Well, she was intelligent, for mm-hmm. one.
2: Very bright.
1: Yeah, just the interviews. It's, it's remarkable the emotional intelligence she has in addition to everything else.
2: On her years. Yeah. And I was fascinated by her when I was little, even before I knew what happened to her. And I think that that's interesting because now when you mention Sharon Tate, that's all anyone ever goes back to is the yeah. way that she died, which is so horrible. I purchased one of her dresses when they were sold, like, by Julian's auctions. And when I, you know, was telling people that, like, you know, I bought this dress and I'm so glad to have it because I'm just a huge fan of Sharon's. There were people saying, I can't imagine someone wanting to own something that belonged to someone who died in such a horrible way. And I was, I'm not thinking about her death at all. And yeah. The I make is how many people basically completely model themselves after Marilyn Monroe Mm -hmm. and try to own her objects and things like that. And nobody ever says, I can't imagine wanting to own something that was owned by someone who died in such a tragic, horrible way. Nobody ever says that. Because when we think about Marilyn Monroe, we think about her image and her movies, whereas with Sharon Tate, it's not that way. And I think that's a shame.
1: It's so much about it being this horrific end and having it change so much of the tone of the town. But at the same time, it happened to her and it has nothing to do with her legacy and and what she did as a star. So I agree. It's it's a shame. And I really, I, I follow a lot of Instagram accounts about Sharon Tate. And I feel like that's shifted me in a nice way because those are focused on celebrating her, who she was as a person in her films. In such a way that when I hear that point of view, it's almost shocking to me anymore.
2: Me too, because like I said, all my life, I just thought of her as this really interesting, cool movie star.
1: Yeah. And I still think of her that way in
2: spite of, you know, now I'm completely aware of what happened to her. Yeah. But it's just, I also find it jarring.
1: So tell me about the dress.
2: Okay. Um, it is a black Aussie Clark mini dress. Sharon wore a sort of pinkish red one just like it in the film The 13 Chairs which is like the last it's got different titles 12 plus 1 yeah uh, was was the last the last film that she made she wears she wears a the, the same dress in a different colorway in that film the, i've actually worn the dress myself a couple of times it's um it's very comfortable and it's very beautiful and i can picture that she would have enjoyed wearing it because of its
1: ease. Yeah,
2: it doesn't feel like you're wearing a cocktail dress. Very deceptively simple. Like when you see it on a uh, hanger or you see it, you know, laid out, you wouldn't think that it is cut as well as it is. But it's got, you know, um, beautiful bishop sleeves and um, a very interesting neckline. But those details don't stand out until you see it on the wearer. It just looks like a simple black dress until there's a body in it.
1: So it's basically meant to be worn and not yeah. displayed.
2: Right. Because, like, yes, I've, I've actually put it on a dress where I've actually shown it to people. And they're like, you, and they're like, I don't, it's, I, I mean, it's Aussie Clark, I guess. And so they're to like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. The part of me, you know, who de- I debated uh, whether or not I should wear it. But when I saw the dress, the way that it was made, and all of that, I thought, well, you know, I should, to do it justice, I should wear it. Yeah. I've worn it very carefully a couple of times, because I feel like people should see it for what it is.
1: Agreed. It's an interesting subject. I mean, of course, with the Marilyn Kennedy birthday dress and Kim Kardashian, it's kind of a complicated thing where, okay, if it appeared in a film, if it's a part of a certain part of history... That seems like something you just preserve it and leave it. But, yeah.
2: Rose dress, um, th- that's a very different thing because that was tailored specifically to her body. Yeah. Or no underwear underneath it when she wore it. It was worn to a historic event. There are, And it was made of such fragile material. There are so many reasons why that should not have been worn. Mm-hmm. This dress is entirely for several reasons. Sharon Tatera should never have been worn
1: but i I just find it really interesting in, in this case, where it's just something that she just wore and it was one of many things. It kind of does make sense, and you could i mean, I can't say what Sharon Tate would think, but you could see her approving of that and your intentions. It makes sense to me, but it's so hard to put it in the good terms
2: I think about it. People, when people think about Sharon Tate and they think about, oh, she's just this person who died in this horrible way, or, and they attach her to that image, like we do with a lot of movie stars or people who had tragic life stories, we forget that they were actual people who lived. Yeah. They were human beings. And by wearing that dress and having a body in it and, similar dress this is a real person this is a person who lived and it's a it's another thing like about 18th century fashion we see paintings and portraits of it and people's hairstyles look so different and all of that we just think of them as still pictures we forget that they were human beings but when you see their clothes which were often tailored to their bodies Mm -hmm. they're you connect with them as human beings and see that they were real in a very real way. And when I put on 18th century clothes, you know, the stays, the shift and all of that, and I get a feeling for how they moved around life, I see them as people in a more real way than I do even just looking at the clothes. And so I think part part of one of the reasons why I wanted to wear the dress mm-hmm. is my mission to show people that Sharon was a real person. yes had a full life before she died. I know that sounds like I'm putting too much into
1: it. I think you've put into words what I was feeling, but maybe not totally understanding. It does bring it to life. And that's an interesting way about the way that you express your fandom is is it is through dress. It's through recreating items. Like you had a replica made of the pendant that Sharon wore in Eye of the Devil, the necklace.
2: Right. The the amulet. Uh, Yes, I I was always attracted to that necklace. It was one of my favorite things that she wore, even though it wasn't something that she wore. It was something that she wore as Odile de Carey in that film. Um, It wasn't so it really wasn't part of her personal style. But it always was kind of in the back of my head as one of the most striking pieces of jewelry or even fashion objects that she wore throughout her entire life. And I always wanted it in sort of that, you know, same thing that every little girl wants. You want to emulate the movie star that you like. Um, a few years ago, I had a, um, a jeweler make for me um, a copy of that necklace.
1: And it's beautiful. I mean, I've seen it in person <laughs> and, and, and it really is a lovely piece. And it's a really interesting way to kind of have an enduring memory of a star that you love. Do you have any other uh, Sharon Tate pieces or, or is that?
2: I, I, okay. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's the exact one from the photo or not, because apparently a couple were made. Mm-hmm. I have one of the gowns that Travilla designed for Valley of the Dolls. It looks just exactly like one of the ones that Sharon was photographed in, but apparently there were a couple made because Susan Hayward, when she tried on the original gown, which was a turtleneck style, she got caught. Huh. So he backless boat neck version, and that was the one that was worn in the film, but he also made the turtleneck style for Judy Garland.
1: Oh, and- Okay.
2: Yes, and so at least two of those turtleneck style gowns were made. Sharon was photographed in one of them. I don't know which one. I have one of them. I don't know who it was originally made for, but I know that it was originally made for that film, and it's the original turtleneck version of that dress.
1: But you are sure of the designer? I mean, that's at least that's you know authentic, right? Right, right.
2: I I know I know where it came from, but I don't know if it's. But it looks exactly like. It's one of the ones that Sharon wore. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He made two of the exact same dress in different sizes, and she wore one of them, and I have one of them. I have dresses that are not ones that she owned, but are vintage dresses that are exactly like she had, Hmm. that are same color, same manufacturer. My favorite is a purple dress by Ruth Gernreich. It's a baby doll. It's got a v-neck. I believe she was photographed um, in it during the Cannes Film Festival in 1968. She was on a beach. Um, She owned the dress in several different colors, but the purple one in particular, there's several photographs of that in that setting.
1: I do know exactly what you're talking about. It it really brings to mind how timeless her style was it was very much of the 60s and as far as it being the minis right and I the flowing caftans but
2: style too was that it it seemed so modern but 60s at the same time yeah right and timelessly modern like modern in whatever era you're viewing it in
1: yeah i can't think of when it wouldn't worked at all you know yeah. it, like maybe not of the moment but yeah no it always would have worked a little bit so do you have anything else in your collection kind of film related that you excited about that you really love? That
2: I really love? Well, I think, we've, I think we have mentioned everything. Yeah, yeah. Far, um, and they're, they're all great. My concern, though, is, for example, with the dress that was made for the wardrobe in the, for Valley of the Dolls, it, the previous owner did not take good care of it. It is in poor condition. Yellowed. We were talking, you know, we were talking about the preservation of garments earlier. There are like ripped seams in it from where somebody who was not me tried it on. I tried it on one time because it was already in poor condition. I'm like, what worse can we do to it? But I did, I did no more damage to it because I am actually smaller than the dress. Yeah. You know? I didn't put any stress on the garment at all. But there are like holes in the armpits, holes, in the, holes in the seam because the silk thread was allowed to deteriorate. It's very sad. I want to have it restored someday, just because I feel like it deserves that. Yeah. But that's one of the concerns when you take clothes with a providence into your care. It's not just thinking about whether or not you should wear them, but what kind of conditions you should store them in, and most people aren't thinking about that.
1: So do you feel like you've learned a lot about how to preserve them, or are you still kind of in the process of learning about it?
2: Learned some things. There's still a whole lot to learn, but one thing that people don't often think about is that you can't hang garments continuously for a long period of time. Oh, you can't, you do, do not leave them in your closet just hanging. If you're going to actively wear them, rotate them. Like, here's my spring wardrobe, take it down, fold it, put it in my summer wardrobe. You know, put it in my summer wardrobe. You should, if you're trying to preserve a garment, it should be laid down very carefully if you can avoid folding it do um those long garment boxes if you're going to store something for a long time archival garment boxes with acid-free paper stuffing the sleeves but if you're not going to store it for a long period of time you just sort of like a moderate period of time in between seasons when you wear, make sure it's like very carefully laid or folded in a, folded in a drawer. It's very, very hard on garments to hang for long periods of time.
1: That is really interesting. About,
2: we think about hanging our hanging up our clothes is doing what is what we should do with them. but if you've ever seen like like a very old silk garment, especially because silk is fragile, things will start to shatter at the shoulder where,
1: hangers were it's it's collapsing under its own weight ah uh, yes of course it seems so obvious when you say it but I I really and I knew that things were s- saved in tissue and in boxes but I didn't think about the fact that you were relieving pressure on the shoulders by having it laid flat like that that's really right. interesting
2: you know stuffing when you stuff the sleeves it's giving the garment support. Because if you're storing something for a long time made out of fragile fabric, you you want something supporting it. You don't want it. That makes sense.
1: No, no, that totally makes sense. So, when it comes to movies, what, 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 what movies inspire you from kind of a fashion perspective? What hasn't you know been kind of influential to you as this developing expert in this subject?
2: There are so many. <laughs> Um, of course, Valley of the Dolls, one of my favorite '60s fashion films. The Graduate. I wa- I even as a child, I wanted to be Mrs. Robinson, and I know that there's a whole lot wrong with that, and there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> but that coat, that animal print coat that she wears, and you know that uh, and her animal print underwear, and that cocktail that's with her sheer sleeves. Anyway. <laughs>
1: flawless. It's all flawless.
2: Oh, she, she was fantastic. Um, and then there was so many films uh, set in the 18th century because my, my love for 18th century fashion probably actually came out of watching the film Dangerous Liaisons, the um, adaptation from the 1980s. Those costumes, there are some things that are in it. The only costume that You know, people remember that stands out to me as slightly inaccurate is that yellow jacket with a black petticoat that she wears when she gets out of the carriage. That's a little bit 19th century. It's not quite. It's beautiful. But so many of the other costumes look like they escape from a museum. Really. They do, even even the undergarments, the stays and everything like that, and they were worn in, diff- in different films, and you'll see this a lot with 18th century costumes, because um, 18th century garments are so expensive to reproduce, like, silk is expensive, and there's so much detail involved there, like, um, one of the gowns in Dangerous Liaisons is in Hocus Pocus. What? Yes! The dress that Michelle Pfeiffer wears—it's like this raw silk uh, dress with like a false button front. It's the dress that um—I can—I cannot remember the actress's name right now. But when they're at the Halloween party and it's got kind of an 18th century theme, and she's wearing—you know what? I,
1: yeah, I, it's been a long time since I've seen both films, so I'm—I'm I'm drawing a blank on both. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but anyway. That, that's just a really fun example. Like, you wouldn't think that a gown from Dangerous Liaisons would be in Hocus Pocus, but it was.
1: It's interesting the way those things are reused. Like, um, a woman that that, I, that I'm that pin pals with, the reason we connected was because she was talking about the way a brooch was reused in four different films. It was like the same brooch was worn by Joan Crawford and Mildred Pierce, I think it was worn by somebody in *Now Voyager* and Ingrid Bergman in *Casablanca*, and how it had just made the rounds and she kept seeing it.
2: How um, how many years span between the first time the brooch was worn and the last time the brooch was worn?
1: I believe they were all '40s films, and um, and I think it was within ten years, you know, so it wasn't stretching across the whole decade. So, so it just it was just recirculated. And I've known this, that, that things are reused, but for it to be used that much.
2: I, I personally think about it being something that happened earlier, more of a studio system thing. Like yeah. wardrobe that reuse it, whereas this is a gown from a film from the 1980s being reused in a film from the
1: 1990s. It's, it's totally a different landscape now. I agree. Like, people would just, would not think to be reusing things like that. So it is really interesting, especially because some time has passed
2: know about reproducing 18th century fashion, it's completely understandable because those gowns can be expensive. Yeah. Um, so, so I understand like why you wouldn't want to invest in a new one just for that scene but you still want it to look good so you would borrow something from something else.
1: Yeah. I love that how you kind of connected 60s spirit and fashion with 18th century fashion um, through the, the, the movie Tom Jones.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yes, it's um, like, if I had to explain, like, my inner self to someone, it would be, kind of be the aesthetic of that movie, but it's got a, a psychedelic feel, but it's set in the 18th century. Um, and the costumes are are more accurate than most films from the 1960s that, that are set in the 18th century. Most period films from the 60s are horrible in terms of historical accuracy, but tom jones is actually one of the better ones which is surprising because <laughs> um, you wouldn't think you wouldn't think yes um how it has like those um in between scenes there would be like these psychedelic cuts yeah the Scene that you would go to is just like a scene from the 18th century of people talking in someone's house like it's very interesting to me it,
1: the spirit of it is so 60s i connect it with British 60s era films and don't.
2: Um, and there was a whole lot of 18th century inspiration in 60s fashion, and we don't we don't think of it so much. But in the second half of the 1960s, there was this romantic trend that took inspiration from all kinds of previous eras: um, the Edwardian era, the Victorian era. Um, after, um, Romeo and Juliet came out in 1968, the, um, Renaissance was thrown in there into a mishmash, but a whole lot of inspiration came from the 18th century during that same trend. And there was like this popularity, like the popularity of old floral prints and the popularity of prints that were kind of inspired by India. What's very interesting is that Indian floral prints were also very popular during the 18th century these sort of like um, Indian print cottons. And so a lot of these like Indian fat, quote unquote, Indian fabric prints or um, bold floral prints that you see from the 1960s are are actually either direct copies or have direct inspiration from uh, those cottons that were made for import in India during the 18th century.
1: That is so interesting.
2: Yeah, like big hair. Like, I've seen so many pictures of big structured hairstyles, big structured romantic hairstyles from the second half of the 1960s that are taking direct inspiration. Hairstyles from the mid-1770s. Um, I even own a dress that has, like, um, three-fourth length sleeves that are cut in a very 18th century style, and it has a scoop neckline with a big bow, which is very evocative of, like, a 1770s breast knot. So, yeah, in like, these sort of bell sleeves that have lace around them are sort of very evocative of the lace pieces that women attach to their sleeves.
1: And Um, the the men, too, the lace around the neck.
2: Right. In a men's fashion, all of those velvet jackets and uppers and stuff like that were evocative. Were evocative of um, things that men wore during the 16 and 1700s.
1: That makes so much sense.
2: Mm-hmm. So people, people tell me all the time, it seems so strange that you're inspired by two totally different eras. But really, I'm not. And when you think of, they're very similar in some ways, and when you think about what was going on in the culture that time to- at that time, yeah. the and so many things were changing, and about making the common man you know, more equal with people who were previously thought to be his betters. Think about what happened in the 60s and attitudes that we had there. So just yeah.
1: saying. It's such a clear connection that I'm surprised I haven't heard more about it. And I will say that when you started posting more 18th century kinds of things, I really didn't get it. It took me a while to understand. But but the more you talked about it, the more it seems like how solid the connection is. I, I,
2: just a whole lot of things about um my love for the 1700s on social media for a long time because i found that i i always posted more about the 60s because i thought more people would be interested in that even though i always had a fascination with the 18th century as well but it turns out no they they people understand that they work together I yeah i think they
1: that's so cool i mean i i just i love what you're doing with that account to educate, I've learned so much about just different things, such as like panty boots, like difty just all these different elements. It really brings history alive, and I also love how you, in your dress, you know, are, are bringing it alive by 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 pointing out different you know aspects of what you're wearing. But another thing that I really love is how you will do these bombshell photo shoots, and they're not okay. A lot of times when people will do kind of that sort of bombshell sexy thing these days. It seems like they're looking for approval, kind of like love me. And I feel like the way that you do a shoot like that is much more here I am world. You know, it's, it's, there's so much more confidence to it. And I don't know how you get that vibe, but I just really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. I think the one that got the most attention is I, um, for Halloween a couple of years ago I dressed up as Barbarella.
1: I remember this, yes.
2: It, uh, I did a photo shoot in both the costume and then one in the nude with nothing but a gun.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: And so when people talk about like sexy pictures that I take, that's one that they always think about and I worked really hard on reproducing the costumes and props from Barbarella and like I it took me a long time to find I need to find some faux fur that's this exact color and this exact yeah color. after and after I did that people were asking me if it was Photoshop.
0: What?
2: Yeah. People people asked did you Photoshop that? And people who were aware that I was disabled asked me, did I Photoshop my head onto someone else's body?
1: Oh my goodness.
2: Which I did. I did not. Uh, yes, I have cerebral palsy. Yes, I am a wheelchair user, and yes, that is me in the news.
1: I don't even know what I would say um, to that.
2: No, but no, they, ser- they seriously ask me, "Is it Photoshop? Is that really you?" Yeah. And it's like yes, it's me. I literally took the photos of myself in my living room with a selfie stick. It is very much me.
1: I suppose that's another great aspect of it, is like, yes, I am in my wheelchair, and yes, I am a sexy 60s style goddess. Yes, all these things. It can happen. It's real.
2: (laughs) But I always wanted to be sexy. Like... The actresses and um, characters that I connected with were always like the beautiful, sexy starlets. Well, like Sharon Tate, people thought of her in that way. Those were the types of women that I wanted to be like, and I didn't think that being in a wheelchair would get in the way of that ambition until I got older and ran into the world, Mm. and it saw people people like me.
1: Well, I I can say you showed them. You showed them.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean... I was in a situation for many years where my family didn't want to be myself or let me express myself. I even fought for my wardrobe for a long time. Like, they were like, why would you want to make yourself look more weird? It looks like you're in costume all the time. Like, I didn't understand why somebody who was a wheelchair user would want to make themselves look more different. Yeah. They thought that they were trying to take it away from me for my own good.
1: and. This is something that I've come to, I mean, with different fandoms, you know, Comic-Con, people, famous people like Darcy the male Girl and the Joe Bob's, you know, movie drive-in. There's so many more adults now who are kind of dedicated to these costumes and the fun of it and the self-expression of it and, and how it's not just a thing. It's, it's not a weird thing. It's, it's a, a valid way to express yourself.
2: All right, that's the way I see it too, but what's interesting to me is that I love, I do love cosplay and I love recreating film costumes, like I love Barbarella, I did, uh, I did Nova from Planet of the Apes, love, um, but I don't, they saw like the 60s clothes that I wore every day as a costume, which I don't, I just knew that as me, they thought that I was trying to be pretentious, whereas I was just working really, really, really hard to be myself. Mm-hmm. It took years to collect all the things I needed to be myself, because you couldn't just go buy them in a store.
1: Yeah, and so, how being uh, yourself is a, is, a, is a creation, not some set of rules that you follow.
2: In contemporary clothes, that would feel like a costume.
1: Absolutely true, because it's not respecting uh, your inner self, yes
2: up like somebody else because that is not me like I knew what I wanted to I knew the types of clothes I wanted to wear when I was five years old
1: yeah but,
2: um, I, my mom uh, who was, was older when she had me so she was a boomer she showed me TV shows like Get Smart and I Dream of Jeannie and uh, even Laugh In and I didn't know whether those TV shows were old or new I just knew wherever this place was, I wanted to live there, and then later, um, not very long later, just like a couple of years just before she died, she died when I was 12, um, I started to get horrible insomnia, and I would stay up late at night and watch television, and that's how I fell in love with movies, because what was on yeah. late at is just older films and I would see movies from the 60s and I'd be like oh good there's that place again like I was still too young to connect it with this was a time but I just knew that I wanted to exist in that space and be part of it
1: I I just I wonder how many of us out there are like that how how we just you know found our place being awake at night watching television you know (laughs)
2: I was a little kid. i I had to turn the volume all the way down because if she found out that I was awake, I would have been punished.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's half the fun of it. Well, Rachel, it's been so great to talk to you. I'm so inspired by the way you express yourself and the way you share all these different histories. I've learned so much from you. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing what else you have to offer on your fabulous Instagram account.
2: Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here. I love talking
0: to you. For more information, including how to follow Rachel on Instagram, go to watchingclassicmovies.com. I invite you to follow, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps a lot. Thank you for listening. This is Kendall Kruver, watching classic movies. Until next time.